eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Bustin' Loose Baseball, welcome in. Episode 55, I'm Grant Paulson. With Toby Altizer. Toby, what a fun night we had on Thursday evening in Bowie, Maryland, home of the Bay Sox, where the Harrisburg Senators were in town, and we got a good look at Jackson Rutledge on the mound, Robert Hassel batting leadoff and playing in the outfield, and James Wood patrolling center and hitting third. Couple of the marquee players in the Nat system. Yeah, I tell you what, Grant, I mentioned to mentioned it to you while we were over there. I haven't been to a whole lot of minor league games. It's kind of fun taking a break from the major leagues and where you got 40,000 seats and it's just a big, perfect production almost in a lot of ways where you got just perfect in-game entertainment. You've got different sight lines. At a minor league ballpark, there's just something fun about taking baseball to its roots. You know, small ballpark. You can hear the players chirping at each other. You can hear the guys yelling from the dugout, hey, good take. You know, all the different things that make baseball what it is and the reason why we love the game. And it was fun. You get to see guys like James Wood, Robert Hassel. On the other side, you see Heston Kerstad. So I thought it was a really fun night, a good experience over there in Bowie. Yeah, I love Bowie. It's pretty dark, and the lights come on, and it's a nice uh, hitter's ballpark in the sense of visuals, right? I remember years ago talking to Matt Wieters when he was with the Nationals about how much he loved Bowie as an affiliate and the offense and the ability to hit there with just the the dark optics. They have new lights there, but like a well-lit ballpark with the, the, the black uh, scoreboard and batter's eye back behind center. You really got to kill the ball to center field. A lot of long fly balls die on that warning track. But if you hit the ball down either uh, foul line, you're, you're going to hit it over the fence for sure. Um, so it's a place I grew up getting to minor league games to. It's really cheap. I mean, look, you, you bought a ticket, I think, for, what did you say, 19, 20 bucks? Yeah, 20 bucks on front row, behind the plate, literally right behind the plate. Grant came over and sat by me. Couldn't ask for better seats for 20 bucks. So, I mean, if you want to go check out some minor league games, I know it's the O's affiliate over there, but hey, go check it out. 
Yeah, and then the Nats are going to be there, the, the two a uh, senators with James Wood and Robert Hassel. Through Sunday, they're giving out a, a Gunnar Henderson bobblehead on uh, Sunday afternoon. There's a fireworks show on Saturday night, I believe. Uh, they got their their Star Wars night, so they got a lot going on worthwhile getting over there if you want to go see some of the Nats prospects. Yeah, and if you can't make it this week, I believe they're back in July, so go check them out then. Senators are coming back? Yep. And by then, I would imagine James Wood will still be there. Hassel may not. Maybe he'll get promoted to uh, AAA. We'll get into a little breakdown on, on some of those guys in a moment. Uh, but uh, I I had I stuck away in the late innings. I got myself some ice cream. Only disappointment I had, it was a delicious soft serve. Like, really, really, like you could tell, good ice cream machine, strong ice cream. The only problem I had was it was not served in a helmet. I need Ooh. my ballpark soft serve ice cream in a plastic helmet. Mm-hmm. It was served in, I would describe it as like if you tipped over like the top of a, like the plastic top of like a, um, like a, a sundae or something. You know what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they served the ice cream in that. And it was fine, but I, like I want my plastic helmet, man. Yeah, you need the, you need a little helmet. It adds to it. The question I have: you sprinkles or no sprinkles guy? No sprinkles. Basic as you could be. If I can go straight, straight chocolate, I'll do that. Give me the vanilla with the rainbow sprinkles all day. Uh, see, I'm a give me a little swirl, mix it up. I kind of like stir it around with the spoon, get it into chocolate anyway. Uh, take away some of the richness of the chocolate. Although I will say, you won the jackpot as far as the dessert items went because you came back to uh, our seats at one point and you had what appeared to be. Some type of funnel cake-shaped French fry. Yeah, I tell you what, Grant, we're recording this on Thursday night after we go to the game. I just touched my glasses, and I can still smell the funnel cake on my fingers. It's a good smell. I, I kind of want some more. But the, they were funnel cake fries. I actually had to call my grandma on the way over here because she loves funnel cakes. And I said, they had funnel cake fries, and then you can put soft serve on top. Fantastic! Did you Grant. dabble with the soft serve on top? Uh, yeah, it was good. I didn't. It was very that you good. A, light, a la mode for my guy Tobe. Fantastic! I'm not a I'm not a sweets guy generally, but those were fantastic. Yeah, but we uh, we did well. We ate good. We watched some baseball. All right, so you guys did not tune in to Bust and Loose Baseball to hear our breakdown of the desserts that we had at the ballpark, uh, but just a couple of dudes here talking about uh, the things that matter to us. So let's get then to some breakdowns of the players we saw. We got to start with the, the main event, James Wood. Frankly, the reason you bought the ticket and went to yep. the game, the reason we broadcasted live all day from the ballpark and, and that I stayed with you for those nine innings and we watched was we wanted to see as many James Wood at-bats as possible. So his first three ABs, he had three strikeouts. His last two at-bats, he hit a prodigious 393-foot home run that was 107 miles per hour off the bat to make it one for four. And then he had a subsequent infield base hit. Like, you can't have more extremes. We saw the incredible power to right field on the homer, and then he beat out what was like a a high Baltimore chop, like two-hopper behind the bag to the shortstop, and he just flew down the line. Nice little dual show-off of crazy traits. Yeah, and the thing was, the homer was obviously impressive, and we'll get to that in a, more in a second. The chopper was so high, and he gets down the line, and it's a relatively, I wouldn't say routine play, but you at least throw over as the shortstop. Shortstop gets over there, looks up, sees where James Wood is, and says, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to this. No chance of getting him. Like you said, shows off the speed that he has. And, you know, what impressed me, you brought it up for his first three at-bats, he has a lot of discipline. Now, maybe he needs to be a little bit more aggressive at the plate because he did strike out the first three times. But he obviously was looking for something. He was looking for his pitch. Think of Juan Soto. I'm not going to say he's got that kind of eye. But think of the way that Juan Soto and at-bats would let pitches go that 
a lot of guys would swing at just because that wasn't the pitch that he wanted. And then he would wait for the pitch that he actually wanted, and then he would do damage with it. That's kind of the approach it seemed like James Wood had tonight, Grant, where there were fastballs or breaking balls that kind of got left down the middle that I would like to see him swing at going forward. But for whatever reason, he didn't. But obviously, in that one at-bat, his fourth at-bat of the day, he got a hanger right down the middle, and he did not miss it one bit. Yeah, so we'll talk about the home run in a second. Kind of going through the ABs, because I've actually got the uh, like the, the mill screenshots of, of some of the ABs up in front of me here. Um, his first AB, to your point, and the theme was like taking cookies early in counts. And you almost want to go up there ready to ambush. There is something admirable, though. I, I talked to someone high-ranking that that is uh, one of the folks that, that helps run the development staff for the Nationals a few weeks ago about James Wood. And it, even at that time, he was not killing it in A-plus ball. But they said, we love his at-bats. Like, they had just seen him, and they said he had four great at-bats. I think he was like one for four, a couple strikeouts. And they're like, deep counts, takes close pitches, Really good idea at the plate. Like, all the stuff we saw tonight, uh, frankly. But the first pitch of, of his first A-B was middle-middle, and he takes that for a called strike. Then he swings and fouls off two pitches in the zone, one in on his hands, the other was kind of out over the plate. Uh, so it was a, a 0-2 count. He takes back-to-back balls just off the plate high to get to 2-2 to get even, and then he swung through a pitch right at the top of the strike zone that would have been a called third strike to strike out in that first at-bat. But again, you're talking about quality of A-B, right? Like, that's a hell of an at-bat. The next at-bat, first pitch was a called ball on the inside corner. Could have easily been a strike. He got ahead 1-0. He then took uh, back-to-back pitches that were pretty much center cut. I mean, I, I, like, I don't know how to say it otherwise. It's the second and third pitches, particularly the second pitch, inner half, would be where you would place the ball for him to hit a ball a mile. I mean, he's got a seven-foot wingspan, so even pitches that are technically on the outer third a great point. are like middle-middle to him. So then he's behind one, too. Like you, and now, if you're keeping score, like you've taken three damage pitches and two ABs. Uh, but what do you do, right? Fourth pitch is bottom of the strike zone. I think it's in the strike zone, but it's called a ball. He obviously had a feel that for what the umpire was calling. And he, he takes a pitch at the knees that, that he gets a ball call on. And then the, the fifth pitch, he takes another pitch. And, and you could have said all five were in the strike zone. Two of them were called balls. The, the fifth pitch was up. He took it, strike three. So at that point, you're over two with, with two strikeouts. But it's been a, you've seen 11 pitches. And like the, there is a added value to that. And then the third strikeout, uh, he took the first pitch up out of the zone pretty clearly up around the eyes for a ball. Uh, the second pitch, again, kind of middle, a little bit away, but in, in terms of height of the strike zone, like middle-middle. Uh, third pitch, uh, he took a, a called strike at the, the thighs that, that couldn't have been more centered up. So in this game, we saw him take five pitches in the middle of the plate. And, and I guess it's a long-winded way just going through and giving you all the details of saying there wasn't a lot of swing and miss in the middle. It was just a lot of takes. Mm. The swings and misses were up at the top of the zone. or you know He didn't really expand. I think I come away encouraged more than annoyed by that. Like, that's a great thing that he has an idea and a feel. And normally, you're one of the youngest guys at the level. You're like four or five years younger than a lot of the guys on the field. You're just up there hacking, and, and the moment's too big. It was the opposite of that. If anything, you're trying to tell him, hey, man, a little more aggressive. Like, let's ambush some stuff that's in the middle. Well, and to your point here, think about the frame that we've talked about with James Wood a number of times. He's six foot six, 240. But think of the size of the strike zone for a guy that big. 
It's way bigger than your average hitter. And so if he were to be a guy that expanded the strike zone, think of a guy like a Javi Baez. If he came up that free swinging, he could literally swing at every pitch. Because of his arms, because of his height, he could literally get to every single pitch. Good point. So if he were to do that, it would be a harmful approach because there's so many pitches that he can't do damage with. I like the fact that he's being selective because if he can at least right now understand what the strike zone is, to your point, I can tell him, dude, swing the bat. Let's let's see you be a little bit more aggressive with pitches in the zone. If he didn't understand the strike zone, I'd be worried because of his size. It's very encouraging that a guy that big understands that strike zone so well at that age. Yeah, six pitches, five pitches, four pitches, and six pitches in those first four at-bats before he got an early base hit in his final A-B. So that brings us through the three strikeouts. He's 0 for 3 to the home run. And in the seventh inning when he stepped to the plate, left-handed hitter, pulled the ball down the right field line, it looked... Like it went a mile. I tweeted out your video um, on, on my account. Tell people your Twitter account. Toby underscore Altizer, T-O-B underscore A-L-T-I-Z-E-R. So you tweeted the video because you were rolling right behind home plate. I retweeted it at Grant H. Paulson if you want to find Toby's account and go follow him on, on the video there. But the only way I can describe it is like one guy was a jackass on Twitter, shocker, and he's like, it only went 393 because I tweeted like he just hit a ball a mile. <laughs> First of all, 393 guy is a bomb, okay? Let's start there. The, the wall is 315 or whatever. Yeah. It went over the, the, the big scoreboard's worth of ads behind the fence, number one. Number two, it actually looked way further than that, if I could say that, um, for a couple reasons, I think. Number one, it was by far the most crushed baseball of the night uh, in a minor league setting. But the other thing is, it was so high. Yeah, very it high. It was so loud. Everyone in the ballpark, like whatever you were doing, it gets your attention, that kind of vibe of the sound of the bat but then it was it was a like a I I didn't see the uh launch angle but it felt like it was like a high fly ball to the right fielder you know what I mean yeah and it just carried I mean it was a bomb yeah I mean to your average hitter to your point with that launch angle it's just a routine fly to the right fielder if you want a comparison to how far it would have been tell me if I'm wrong here Grant if this were at Nationals Park I don't know that it would have gotten to the second deck because I don't know if it was far enough. It definitely had the height. But think of it going back, of the bullpen, back end of the Nationals' bullpen yeah. and no doubt about it off the bat. Like th- Those are the kind of majestic shots that you're used to seeing with the known home run hitters. Think of a, something like Giancarlo Stanton hits one. You're like, that's gone. Even if it doesn't hit the 400-foot mark, you're like, yeah, that's gone off the bat. That was the thing with James Wood. And then just going back and looking at the launch angle of it, it just doesn't make sense that that got over the fence, but then you remember who hit it, and it makes sense. Yeah, 107 exit velo. So that's a long way of saying he went two for five. Uh, in center field, hard to get a lot out of his first game in center in Harrisburg, I believe it was. Uh, he'd been playing in the corner. Hassel had been playing center field, and we asked uh, Robert Hassel about that. You'll hear the interview Danny and I did with him on, on G&D coming up here later in the podcast. Uh, but tonight, Hassel was in a corner, and Wood was playing center. So the, the one thing I noticed – in the field, and this showed up in the ninth inning on his hit as well, was he's just so fast that he strides. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I had – who was it that said this to me recently? Oh, you know what? It was It was a story I read. It was um, Jesse Dockery wrote a piece in the Post about how uh, scouts, like, used to think he wasn't playing hard and he didn't run and sprint and he wasn't trying because everything looked so effortless. But, like, in the outfield, there was a play where he looked like he was jogging to the ball and I, and he ran into the fence. Tonight, yeah. 
and, and he didn't catch the ball. He like ran into the fence as he was making contact with the, the glove and the ball, and it you know it fell out. But I, I bring that up to say like I was thinking like he's in medium depth left center because of the way he was moving, and it's it's hard to explain unless you see it. But there's just this unicorn six six strides thing that doesn't happen with normal players. Same thing on the in the infield hit. It was a Baltimore chop for sure. It was you know high off of uh, the, the front of the dirt or whatever, but. Like, there was no play. It wasn't like a bang-bang play. The shortstop fielded the ball and ate it because James Wood was already at first base, basically. Like, the dude, for a big guy, can absolutely fly. Yeah, absolutely. And the two plays that stand out to me, it weren't anything spectacular, but it just shows you a little bit of what he can do. In the eighth or ninth inning, I think it was the eighth inning, uh, one of the Bay Sox hitters hits one that looked like a gapper, sure, double. And James Wood got to it no problem, keeps him to a single. Those are the sort of things that don't show up in a box score. Those are the sort of things that if you're not really looking for something, you're just like, oh, he just made a normal play because he makes it look so routine. The other one was a play that he didn't make that I think he could have, which would have been the most impressive of the night if he could have made it. There was a deep fly ball to left. The left fielder struggled with it, didn't make the catch, probably should have made the catch, ended up hurting Jackson Rutledge's line a little bit. But... The range that James Wood covered to get over to a ball in left field and even have the possibility of maybe calling off the left fielder to go get it were incredible to me. And just like you said, seeing him open up his strides in the outfield, it does not look like he's running very hard. But then if you were to compare him to any other player on the baseball field, he'd be just as fast, if not much faster. Yeah, one of the fastest guys I'd say probably in any game he's played in this season. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, on Hassel, he had two hits. And in fact, he should have had three hits. His final at bat of the night in the ninth inning was a smoked liner that the uh, Bowie second baseman, uh, Romero, made a leaping catch on way up the ladder, kind of full extension, and took a head, head away from Hassel because three hits would have looked really good in the box score. But if you look at his numbers since he got to Harrisburg, like he's drawing walks. He's getting on base. He, he's not raking by any means, but he's hitting over 260. He's got an OPS over 700. Uh, he's kind of finding his way now, and he's getting on base at about a 370 clip. I think he's finally healthy. I, I told you this while we were watching the game, and I feel this way. I, mean, I wish there was a little bit more power. Like, it's a lot of base hits. Um, I, I know that that's the last thing to come back when you have an injury of the handmade bone and the hand and, and some of the things he's dealt with. But I, I do just wish that, uh, you know, he was flashing a little more home run power which inevitably will probably come. But uh, I'm going to give him credit for what should have been like a three-hit night while we were there in five at-bats. And he has taken a lot of pride, as he talks about in the interview here. He sees a lot of pitches, too. You know, he, he he's not afraid to take pitches and work deep into counts and hit with two strikes. And he just – he's got vibes of a guy who's, like, confident. And, and he's only 21. I mean, he's only a year older than, than James Wood, but you wouldn't know it. Yeah, he's 21 years old, but he plays like a 25, 26-year-old that's been in the bigs for three or four years. 
very confident when he comes to the plate. You can just tell the way he goes about his business. It's very businesslike, and he's ready to go when he's at the plate. And I wouldn't say that anything about Robert Hassel is spectacular, and I don't know that when he gets to the major leagues that anything is going to flash to you. You know, it's not the power. It's not the speed necessarily. But he's just going to be a guy that gets to the bigs and plays for a decade plus, and you never have to worry about him. And to be honest with you, getting that in a Soto deal, getting a guy that once he gets to the majors is just going to stick in whatever spot you want to put him for 10-plus years, you got to be really happy with that. And you add that with the excitement of a guy like James Wood, and you can't be anything but thrilled with that what you got back for it. I mean, we went over it what was it, two episodes ago, last episode, about the haul you got back, having a safe guy like Hassel, I think, really rounds out the whole deal. Yeah, he might have the the fifth highest ceiling of the five guys that we keep talking about. I mean, he might also have the highest floor, which he, he just enough. Just watching him, he just looks like a guy right now, and I understand he needs to develop more, but he just seems like a guy that you could just plug in to a two-hole, a three-hole, maybe a five or a six-hole, and just never worry about him again for 10 years. That's the hope. I mean, that, that's what they want to see uh, is, is him continue to, to take those walks and get that 260 average up to, you know, 285, 290. Uh, he'll be the first one of this group of him and James Wood and these prospects to get to the big leagues very likely. Um, and I would think he, he's in line for a call to AAA maybe a little bit later on, a month or two from now into the season. Uh, real quick on Jackson Rutledge. Rutledge is a guy we haven't talked a lot about on the pod this year, but He's actually having a really good year in double-A. I mean, after a season that was ultra-disappointing at times with his inconsistencies in Fredericksburg last year, he ended on a high note with an electric start in, in the playoffs for Fredericksburg. He was 23 years old in low-A ball, though, as a first-round pick, uh, like three years after he'd been drafted. So it was just hard to get overly excited about it. Having said that, he's in double-A now, and he's pitching at the double-A level to a 3.4 ERA with a 5-1 and record. Tonight, he had three hits and three runs that he gave up as we were at the game on Thursday night. Five innings and six strikeouts, and he was better than his line. Uh, he gave up two runs on a, a ball that you mentioned should have been caught in left field that uh, was not caught by uh, Harris III. Uh, that ball fell in and shouldn't have. And then there was another play that we mentioned James Wood got to at the fence and the ball kind of popped out of his glove. Much more difficult play. But in the big leagues, it might have been two outs with like yeah. major league quality outfield play. And maybe he goes five scoreless or maybe he gets to throw a sixth inning. Um, some of that gets baked into some of these minor league numbers. But he was 95-96 in the first inning. Nine, I think he was up to 99 in the start. Threw some pitches, 97-98. Uh, showed breaking ball, change up. He's had a year that makes you think maybe he can be a major league starting pitcher after I think a lot of people had started to file him away as a reliever, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say anything today was spectacular. The velocity being what it was in the second inning, I think was, I guess you could say spectacular, but nothing super special. But you had mentioned this at the ballpark. If this were a outing that he had with the big league ball club, maybe some guys hit the ball a little bit harder, maybe some guys on his defense make some plays, this is the kind of start that – he could come up to the big leagues, be your fourth or fifth starter, and you wouldn't blink an eye. Right. And if you look at it, 50 innings this year after tonight, 41 hits, 46 strikeouts, and a 229 average against with a 1.1 whip. Like double A, not A ball, you know, not rookie ball. Like this is, you're, you're basically a phone call away from the majors now, and he's got a really good nine start sample here. So, yeah, he's 6'8. I'll say this for Jackson Rutledge. He is. 
He's got to be a brutal at bat. He's huge at 6'8". He's intimidating as hell. I mean, he hit a dude. I don't remember who it was. Cesar Prieto. Was it Prieto? He hit. I mean, it, what a pain that must have been. Like <laughs> 97, in on the ribs. And and a couple times came up and in on guys, and you could see them kind of ducking away from pitches. Like, he, he's intimidating. Uh, he's also closed off. See, like... Um, like Giancarlo Stanton at the plate a little bit where he's like his front foot is way closed past his his back foot and you can't really see where the ball mm-hmm. is or where the glove is. It just it can't be a comfortable at bat. Little crossfire action, so cannot be very comfortable in that right-handed batter's box since it's probably coming a little bit from behind you with how long his arms are as well. Yeah, I mean, I think overall what he did tonight was very solid and I think that he can continue to to build off what he's been able to do at Double A this year and who knows how long it is till we see him in the bigs. All right, so that'll do it for our conversation on our minor league experience catching the Harrisburg Senators in Bowie, our little field trip. Maybe we're going to have to take a field trip down to the Fred Nats soon. Yeah, absolutely. Report on some of those guys.